and we'll read that together. We'll read starting at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. First Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity, or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with the pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and drove us out, and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins but wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? for you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. And then the text of the message this morning. But now that Timothy has come to us from you 
and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith? Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, imagine that one of the men that God appointed to represent the Good Shepherd Jesus Christ, whether that man be an apostle or an evangelist or a pastor, imagine if he were to write an attestation or a letter of testimony, a letter that describes us, a letter about the Emmanuel congregation. How would he describe the church? What would, be, what would an attestation filled with good news about our church look like? What is the evidence of Christ's work through the Spirit and Word among the covenant people of God? When Paul was anxious for believers in their affliction and concerned that somehow the tempter had tempted them so that the church planter's labor was all for nothing, he had sent Timothy to discover how things were going in Thessalonica. We read that in the first five verses of chapter 3. The report that Timothy gave to Paul is an example of what an attestation filled with good news should look like. Paul's reaction to the report shows that it's possible to see evidence of God's work in a church by the fruits of faith and love and eagerness to continue to receive faithful office bearers. You can see that especially in verse 6. There you have the attestation. God's grace is so clearly the cause of healthy congregations that Paul uses a word for Timothy's report that he only uses in every other place that he writes to write about preaching the good news, to speak of gospel preaching. He calls Timothy's attestation a proclamation of the gospel, an attestation that tells you that a congregation is faithful and loving and longs to be together with shepherds is indeed a proclamation of the work of God alone. It's a proclamation of God's grace to sinners who have been called out of darkness. And as he reveals the joy of the apostles over the faith and love of the congregation, the Holy Spirit also shows how he forms a very special bond between faithful office bearers and the flock that is in their care. I'm sure that if you talk to the office bearers and uh, whose terms have ended, that they will tell you that they will miss working so closely with the different members in their care. This special bond 
is also a gift for God's church because it ensures that the shepherds that Jesus Christ appoints will always seek what is best for each one of us. As new men are ordained to office today, the words of, our, of the Holy Spirit in our text today reveal what goals these spiritual leaders must have in their work. It's that attestation that is before us. And so our text comforts us that the good shepherd continues to care for us. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, God appoints leaders who long for the good news of his work in the church. God's good work, the good news, is evident in living faith and growing fellowship. Well, just like elders and deacons whose terms come to an end, the apostles had needed to trust in God to preserve his church when they were hindered from being personally present. It was a great joy then to discover that God had indeed heard their prayers. Office bearers love the members of Christ's church with all their hearts and they praise God for the privilege of serving his people. However, as any parent raising up children knows, the hardships of office and the many sacrifices that are made are much easier to bear when our labor is not in vain and the goal of our work is being achieved. Anyone who has devoted their lives to the, the spiritual care of, of a church or, or individual members can tell you how difficult it is when children turn away from Christ, when people remain in rebellion, or you can hardly see the fruit of your labor in a church. And it can be tough to leave office, to, to be apart from your flock, or even to have to move away. And so it's not tough to understand the intensity of the emotion that filled the church planters when they wrote about how much the faith of God's people meant to them, even while they were in all their distress and affliction. You can read about in verse 7. The living faith that God gives to his church is described as standing fast in the Lord in verse 8. And we can picture a time when, when you tried to, to stand on your feet when the, when the current of a stream was, was pushing against you. God gives faith to men and women that, make you, that makes you fully committed to Jesus Christ our Savior. Faith that makes you, you trust in Him as your only Savior and standing firm in this truth even when you are being buffeted by the currents of doubts and temptations and persecution when the tempter himself is, is trying to take your feet out from underneath you. And Paul recognizes that such firm standing, such firm faith is truly a gift of God. And, and you can see that in verse 9. He says, after speaking of their faith, he says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? This faith is such a great gift that we really do not have the means. That's what he's saying. We don't really have the means or the, or the words or the time to even properly express our thanksgiving to the Lord 
who works this faith in the hearts of believers. It reminds us of that hymn that we will sing in which we express our longing for a thousand tongues to express our great Redeemer's praise. Although distress and hardships have made it hard to always be smiling and to feel happiness, we see in verse 9 how God gives joy and thanksgiving to us by showing us the gift that he gives of persevering faith. Godly spiritual leaders in our homes, parents, and, and in our churches are constantly praying that we might have such firm faith, that we might see such firm faith. We're comforted by the good news, the gospel of your faith. And the word that com- comforted that Paul uses, it means more than just being soothed. And it includes the sense of being reinvigorated. Although they themselves were in distress and affliction, Paul could say in verse 8, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. The lives of office bearers are so closely connected to the body of Christ that the faith of believers in their care is the pinnacle of their joy. Look at how many times he uses the word you in verses 6 to 10. His, his focus is on the sake, for your sake, of the church. Earlier in this letter, the apostle had stated, and we read that together in chapter 2, verse 19 to 20, for what is our hope or joy or crown or of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. So the sign of success for the faithful under-shepherd of Jesus Christ is not that he himself makes it to the top, but it is found in the number of people that he is able to shepherd, to carefully lead, to face Jesus Christ with him. And brothers, elders, and deacons, we're not given this office and this task for ourselves, for our own honor, for our own glory, as Paul mentions several times in chapter 2. But we receive this office from God so that we might give our lives for the spiritual well-being of Christ's church, urgently desiring that God's people will stand firm in the faith. And the Holy Spirit's revelation through this letter of Paul to the church is that the persevering faith of believers is really the most important thing. As Christians, we feel this intuitively. We just feel it in our, in our hearts. We, we just sense that it's true when we have to reflect on our lives. Sometimes we, we do that when we visit somebody in the hospital or we have a, a near rush with with death and maybe a a vehicle collision or we ourselves are on our our death beds and then we wonder what's this life all about what's the most important thing and then we recognize right away that our greatest desire is that we and all our loved ones know and love Jesus Christ it's really the only comfort in life and in death it's not When you're lying on your deathbed or you're considering what's important in life, you you right away realize it's not a matter of how rich we were. 
or how many places we travel to or how many children and grandchildren we have but our only comfort and uh, our only comfort we experience is through our certain faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and also for ministers and elders and deacons in a church the priority of our visits our encouragement and our exhortations must be on the faith of God's people. And so before praying for healing or for comfort or for resolution of conflicts or, or whatever particular need we may be facing, we pray first of all that God's people have true and genuine faith in Him in the midst of all that we are facing. The purpose of family visits, of all our visits, is not merely social, not merely social support, but it is to rejoice in the Lord in whom we are standing fast together and, as Paul says, to find ways to supply what is lacking in the faith of God's people. He says that in verse 10. And so the Holy Spirit shows us that loving spiritual leaders rejoice with thanks to God for faith in the members of God's church, while at the same time they look for ways to strengthen God's people so that they themselves may supply what is lacking in their faith with some spiritual gift. And Paul says that very clearly also in Romans 1 verses 9 to 12 that is eagerness to be there to to mutually encourage one another now these two activities celebrating faith and supplying what is lacking that serves as a beautiful outline for any elder or deacon family visit in the church today we begin our visits with a celebration of the gift of faith and its fruit in our lives the comfort we share in knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and celebrating the powerful transforming work of the Holy Spirit. This past year, joy was to be the theme of our family visits. This joy doesn't come from always feeling happy, but from seeing the work of God who saves us by His grace from the punishment we deserve for our sins. May this intense joy before God who gives faith, may it characterize our conversations and our family visits as we talk about the church in all its beauty as a truly miraculous and gracious and wonderful work of God. Look at what God is doing in our midst. And in this context, we can see how church members and office bearers will be equally eager to supply what is lacking in our faith. When Paul received news, he, he would have heard of some of the failings that the church, the congregation, was also failing, uh, facing. And we know about these failings and our weaknesses. And so although office bearers cannot give anyone faith, they are ordained by God to give us guidance, admonition, and encouragement as we work together to to seek to live holy lives that are filled with love the Holy Spirit tells us that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love 
And so it is fitting that together with the elders, the Lord Jesus Christ also ordains deacons who promote love and growing fellowship in the church. Although it's clear that their work cannot be separated, the elders who are focusing on the faith of believers in their visits work beside the deacons who are focusing on the fellowship of believers as they increase and abound in love, as we see in our second point, the second part of the attestation, first faith and then love. The good news of the faith of believers and their affection for the church planters, the office bearers, enlivened an urgent longing in the apostles to see the believers face to face. It's such a, a major theme running through this an entire letter. The constant petition the earnest, that was earnest beyond all measuring was that the shepherds might be in the same place as their fellow believing sheep so that they might continue to disciple them in the faith. The tempter was dangerous and the afflictions were hard and the church planters knew how important their presence was for establishment and exhortation in the faith. That's why you read in chapter 3 verse 2 that Paul sent Timothy to go make sure everything was okay. Knowing that only God himself could open the path and only God himself could remove the hindrances on the way to such a meeting, Paul prays right there in his letter, right in the middle of his letter starting at verse 11, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Jesus and the Father here are joined together as one God, and Paul urgently appeals to this one God that he may have what he needs to complete his task as an office bearer. The Holy Spirit leads God, lead God's leaders to such a prayer because the Spirit understands how spiritually dangerous it is to be isolated from the communion of saints. And even though it has only been a year, a little, little over a year of restrictions on visits, you can imagine how many times your elders and deacons, along with all of you, appealed to God and the Lord Jesus that we may continue to meet face to face to give the care that we're compelled to give. And although some of us may have grown comfortable with our isolation and maybe even wonder why there's such an eagerness to be together in the same place, the prayer that the Lord might direct our paths to one another is a very biblical prayer. And the longing is worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who wants the leaders he appoints to truly shepherd the flock that our Lord Jesus bought with his own blood. When the Holy Spirit lives in the hearts of the members, we can also understand the value of this mutual relationship and cooperation. And like the Thessalonians, we will all long for continued pastoral care from house to house. At the same time, caring for members of the church is not just the task of office bearers. Their work only serves as an example of what we all should be involved in. And you can see that in Paul's prayer in verse 12. 
And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. As office bearers together with parents and other spiritual leaders in the congregation are setting examples of loving and visiting and encouraging one another, they are also praying that the Lord may work the same love among those who are being shepherded. The words Paul uses makes it clear that just tolerating or just being kind when you happen to meet others is not really enough as he asks the Lord to make you, to make us increase and abound in love. That's very powerful language. In his prayer, the apostle is appealing to the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ with all authority in heaven and on earth that he might work this love in our hearts. Because this is not something we can do on our own strength. Growing, increasing in fellowship and love is a gift of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, a fruit of the, the love that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. It's a fruit of, of the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. It's a self-sacrificial love. And where love isn't growing, where it isn't increasing, where it isn't abounding to fill you up, you can be sure that in its place you will see selfish desires that are increasing. And so in an answer to our request to make our love increase and abound, the Lord Jesus has given us special office bearers named deacons to help promote the communion of saints, to help us apply our good intentions to love into action, action active works of service. The Christian community that we are a part of is the school in which we learn to love. And so it is kind of like a practice facility and prepares us also for interacting with the world around us. And the goal of this fellowship of the faithful, mentioned in the final phrase of the Apostles' Prayer, is so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Through faith in Jesus Christ, who purifies us from all sins, we, brothers and sisters, we are, we are blameless in God's sight already. We are made holy and distinct from the world together with God's angels and all those believers who have died, the, the saints who are returning with our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why the faith of all the members of the church is so closely connected to our love for one another. Our faith in God is, is directly related to our love to one another. And as elders guide us in our faith, the deacons help us to live in our faith, in this common bond of love. And when God is working in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and by His Word, the leaders whom He has appointed to be among us, to supply what is lacking in our, in our faith and love, then the Emmanuel congregation's attestation will read, Good news. God is working there. There is faith. There is love. 
and God continues to bless his congregation with faithful office bearers who are received in love. The church is blameless and holy in Jesus Christ and ready to receive their Lord Jesus when he comes with all his saints. May God help us live this good news in his grace with joy every day. Amen.